Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. From the twisted mind of author Eve S. Evans. Prepare yourself for a sleepless night after listening to sinister true tales of paranormal. A truly haunted podcast brings you a new chilling episode weekly. Available on all major podcasting networks. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. Forever Haunted Podcast. Coming at you straight from the supernatural vortex. Vortex. Discussing haunted locations, ghosts, poltergeists, cryptids, and all unexplained phenomena. Here's your hosts, Eve S. Evans, James Currow. Welcome to another episode of the Forever Haunted Podcast. I'm James Kiro. And I am Eva S. Evans. Welcome to our new segment of Ghost Stories. Sit back and relax and enjoy, because Ghost Stories are up next. My childhood home was almost a hundred years old, deep-set in bushland, far back from the road. It was hard to get to unless you followed a sneaking driveway up through the eucalyptus and ferns and camphor laurel. There it sat, almost secretly, deep into the thickly forested hillside. It was a wild place, and we even had six-foot pythons living in the ceiling. Once we found an eleven-foot shed skin. When we moved there, I was four. I remember a giant mango tree in our backyard older than the house. Standing beside my mother in the outdoor laundry, I watched a little boy, all dressed in white, kicking through the fallen leaves at the base of the tree, searching for something. He never looked at me, or even looked up. Being a little girl, eager to be friends, I ran to my room to adorn myself and be pretty for him. I put on my colorful plastic bangles and rushed back out, but he was gone. I asked my mother, still washing clothes in plain sight of the tree, where the boy went. She looked at me strangely and asked what boy I was talking about. She hadn't seen him. It's worth mentioning that there was only one way into our property, as it was cased on three sides by the thick bushland, acres deep. It's possible, but unlikely, that the boy came through the woodland. Less likely still that he approached without us seeing. Impossible that he came by the road because he would have had to come through our garden in plain sight. 
My little brother's room was at the back of the house, by a winding path overlooking the hill in the forest. He was two when we moved there. By age four, he began telling me of footsteps up the path at night and whispering in his window. He was a quiet kid, not one for make-believe or attention-seeking. He told me he saw a lady running up the path sometimes, but she was there, and then she wasn't, and he wasn't sure if she was real. By that time, I was absolutely convinced that our house was haunted and considered myself rather an authority upon the matter. One night, as we were being put to bed and I was being tucked in, my little brother knocked on my door. His face was white, his eyes wide, and his body shaking. He was terrified. There's someone whispering in my window, he said. He was always quiet, fastidious little guy. That's why I believed him when he said he heard voices in his window. That night, the voice had said his name. He was so frightened I told our parents he could sleep in my room. He's 29 now, and this day he backs the story of that night up. I believed him then, and I believe him still. It's strange. As kids, I never thought our parents took us seriously. Only as a teenager, after their divorce and my dad sold the house, did I find out that they did believe us. They were spooked by the house as much as we were. My dad built a veranda onto the kitchen and knocked out the old back door. Before he knocked it out, you could smell kerosene burning in the kitchen at night, but only in one place. Liquid kerosene smells different from burning kerosene, and there wasn't even any kerosene in the house. After he knocked out the door, it never happened again. One night in the living room, we heard a gunshot outside the back door. I remember mother and father looking at each other, something passing between them. My dad loaded his gun and turned the lights out. They told me to stay inside and be quiet. Dad searched, but there was no one there. We had Kelpies, and none of them had made a sound. Another strange thing was how when I walked the Kelpies as a little girl before school, there was a place on the hill at the edge of the forest where they would bark and bark and refuse to go any further. In my own childlike way, I understood someone lived there with us and they were lonely. I gave him a name and left him food and paintings I had done. I liked to think I brought him comfort. Maybe I did. It was a strange house. Years later, when my family had split up, one night Dad lay in bed with my stepmother. She was on the edge of sleep when she saw a man standing in the doorway to the bedroom, in silhouette, aboriginal-looking and staring right at us. She quietly asked my father if he could see him too. Softly, in the dark, she heard my father reply, Yes, in the doorway. Dad sold the house not long after that. He said it didn't feel right. Truth is stranger than fiction, and I ended up renting the same house a few years later from the man my father sold it to. I was searching, with my boyfriend at the time, for a house in the forest, where I could have a garden and a cat. Everything was out of our price range, and I suggested we go for a drive through my childhood neighborhood. My old home was up for rent and affordable. It felt totally odd moving back in. The fact it was haunted was not the least of it. I will never forget the first night we spent there before the power was switched on. Sitting in the kitchen, it was midwinter, freezing for Australia, the wind howling through the forest around the house, my kitten curled up in my lap. Through the huge glass sliding doors that overlooked the yard, a translucent white shape floated up the stairs and across the veranda. I was rigid with fear praying that I had imagined it. When my lad looked at me, he said, You saw that too? Luckily, he was as steely as I was. 
We slept in the center of the house, surrounded by candles. Oddly enough, when his two best mates moved in, the one who had my brother's old room said he heard footsteps on the path outside his window every night. I never had the heart to tell him about the night my little brother heard his name whispered through the window. As my little cat grew, he would hiss at things I could not see. My pet python would strike at things I couldn't see. Once, I was looking after a bird for a friend and was holding it, for it was hand-reared. Without warning, the bird panicked. The cat was nowhere near, not even in the same room. Shrieking, it flew at the windows. Eventually, it found its way out and flew away. I had recurring dreams of a little girl with dark eyes and a sweet, sad face, always in the forest, in the same place where my kelpies would bark as a child. She never gave me any insight into the house or herself. She would only look at me, and then I would wake. I don't know if the dreams had anything to do with the house, but when we moved, plainly I did not renew that particular lease, I never had those dreams again. It was like a switch was shut off. I did a cleansing and prayed to goddess to bless the ground and dwelling before I left that house for the last time. It was a beautiful house to grow up in, but it had a history as vicious as a wild dog. I never researched it. I don't want to. It's finished for me. But I hope that my prayers for the lost spirits were heard. May they be held in light. I'm not sure what other countries think about the concept of elementals, but here in the Philippines, they are called encantos and enitos. These encantos and enitos used to be worshipped by ancient Filipinos until Spain forced Christianity onto us a few hundred years ago, making us perceive them as evil entities instead. Personally, I think elementals are a true part of nature but were made differently, in the same way someone might be born with an extra toe or no arms or legs. To me, they're nature's special brothers and sisters, but that's just my own opinion. My first encounter happened when I was around 16 or 17 on a three-day vacation in Baguio City with my family. Baguio City is famous for several hauntings, especially after the 1990 earthquake that pretty much reduced the city to rubble. Despite what people say, I don't think what I saw was a ghost exactly. Somehow, it had a different feel to it than something paranormal. The house in which we stayed was a vacation home owned by my mom's boss, who was nice enough to let us use the place for free. The house was situated in the middle of a mountain so you had to drive all the way up from the bottom to reach it. The house only had one private room and two semi-private rooms. They were separated by walls and two doors, but it was mezzanine style so you could still see the living room. On the first night, we were all too exhausted to do anything after the eight-hour drive to the city and spending the day shopping for trinkets and souvenirs. Since I'd just eaten, I couldn't go straight to sleep because of my acid reflux, so instead I decided to read the book I'd brought with me in my bag. While I was reading, 
I saw something flicker out of the corner of my eye, just a quick flash of light. I looked up from my book to the window where I thought I'd seen the light, but there was nothing there. Thinking nothing of it, I went back to reading. But then it happened again. This time, when I looked up, it didn't go away. The best way I could describe it is like a bluish ball of light. Not very bright, but luminescent, approximately the size of a volleyball. I was taken aback at first, but as someone who is easily attracted to shiny things and too curious for my own good, I continued to watch it in awe. Something about it seemed almost magical, or perhaps unearthly. It just floated there outside my window, bobbing up and down ever so slightly. Then it glided away, leaving some sort of translucent, almost transparent trail, like a comet. It disappeared behind the tree, but to my surprise, emerged from the other side, not as one ball of light, but as hundreds of tiny little swirling orbs. It was incredible. I admit I was still a little freaked out, but it was too pretty to look away from. It passed behind the tree again, emerging once more as a big ball of light. I got the feeling it was playing with me somehow. Mustering the courage, I stood up and went closer to the window to continue watching it. It kept doing the same thing, compressing into a ball, then scattering, then compressing again, every time it passed behind a tree, until it got so far up the mountain that I couldn't see it any longer. I had no idea what it was, but it was amazing. I've never seen something like that before, something so unnaturally pretty. The next morning, I told everyone what I'd seen. My sister kept asking me why I wasn't scared of it, but after watching it for so long, I figured it didn't mean any harm. My stepfather told me it might have been St. Elmo's fire, but after looking it up, I determined it wasn't the same. This behaved too differently. Then I learned about swamp lights. Of course, there wasn't a swamp anywhere near the house, but I was determined to find out what I'd seen. After reading up about it, I realized it wasn't that either. I ended up leaving the city without any answers as to what those lights were. I have several friends who all have different beliefs. Christians, Muslims, Satanists, Atheists, and Wiccans. When my Wiccan friend saw the painting I did of the lights, she asked me what it was. I told her the story of what I'd experienced that night, and she said I might have encountered what's known as an elemental, and it could have been the wind elemental, a manifestation of the sylph. I looked into it online immediately after, but none of the images were quite the same as what I'd seen. What did make me think that it might have been an elemental, though, was what my friend said about them being neither alive or dead. They were things that had taken a different evolutionary turn from most other beings. To be honest, I'm still not entirely sure what I saw, but I'm convinced it wasn't just a ghost or something paranormal. It felt different, 
And although I was afraid at first, I gradually began to feel drawn to it. I could just imagine how the ancient Filipinos would have worshipped something so beautiful and unearthly. Thank you for listening to Forever Haunted Podcast with Eve, James, and Ryan. And remember, if you have a ghost story you'd like featured on the show, contact us at foreverhauntedpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on all social media so you don't miss a thing. Eves.EvansAuthor on Instagram and Facebook. Or Forever Haunted Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. 